Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Love Life Now podcast. I'm your host, Mina Ithal, a certified holistic life coach and the founder of Love Life Now Coaching. I help women find balance and joy in the work they do and the life they live. And today is such a super amazing day. Not only is it the first episode of this podcast, but it is also an exciting and special day for me because it is my 40th birthday. Woohoo! And I am just so grateful to live another year, to live four decades, and to be able to bring this podcast to all of you. And I'm just so grateful for all of you listeners listening to this podcast. And I encourage you to go on my Instagram page or Facebook business page. It is Love Life Now Coaching. And in Instagram and on Facebook, you can learn how you, you can win some amazing prizes in honor of my birthday and the first episode. So I am so grateful to share all my knowledge over the last years of my life, my entire life basically, and to be able to share the lessons that I've learned, the challenges I've gone through, and what has helped me rise above and come out on the other side of challenging situations. And we all go through them. So without further ado, I am going to get started. So thanks again for celebrating my birthday with me. I can't thank you enough. So again, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Love Life Now podcast. I'm your host, Mina Ithal, a certified holistic life coach and the founder of Love Life Now Coaching. I'm on a mission to help women find balance and joy in the work they do and the life they live because I used to be you. Over the course of 11 years, I experienced debilitating anxiety as a result of being scrutinized by principals in my career as an elementary classroom teacher. This left me feeling unfulfilled in my career. My clients come to me because they also feel unfulfilled in their careers. We have experienced anxiety about work, the Sunday night scaries or blues as I call it, hitting snooze over and over because we didn't want to start our workday and lacking confidence in ourselves and our abilities in the workplace. Luckily, I found a way out and I'd like to share it with you because life is not meant to be wasted away constantly worrying or dreading work and you're also not meant to overwork yourself to the point of burnout. Instead, you're meant to enjoy and fully embrace joyful moments. In this podcast, I will be discussing what has helped my clients and I find fulfillment in the work we do. There is a way out, and it certainly doesn't have to be spent living with fear, anxiety, or dread for your workday. In fact, I am confident that you too can find balance and joy in the work you do, and you too can look forward to each and every day. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Now let's get started. So 
Today, I am going to share my story, a little bit about my story, rather, and what I've gone through as an elementary classroom teacher in Connecticut. And just to give you a sense of what I went through, I'm sure many of you listeners can relate. And then I'll talk about what's going to happen going forward with the episodes. So I'd like to share a little bit about my experience as an elementary classroom teacher. I've wanted to teach since fourth grade, and it was actually my fourth grade teacher who really got me to want to teach. And so it was the experience we were doing writing and writing on a computer. At that point, I think it was an Apple IIe computer dating me back. Of course, you know that I'm 40 today, so... Those old computers, the box computers, I was actually teaching and showing my students a few weeks ago. I teach from home currently, showing my students what an Apple IIe computer looks like and what a floppy disk looks like. So anyway, so I've always wanted to teach since fourth grade, and my dream came to life when I graduated from a small liberal arts college in Connecticut in 2004, and I became a certified early childhood educator. And when I became a certified early childhood educator, the whole summer I job hunted. I didn't get anywhere. I had interview upon interview. A lot of times they said I didn't have the experience or I wasn't qualified enough. And most of it was we went with someone with more experience. And I'm sure many of you can relate. What ended up happening is two days before orientation, I got hired as a preschool special ed teacher because if you're not familiar with teaching, Early childhood education is preschool to third grade, but you can teach preschool and kindergarten special ed. And then first, second, and third grade was regular ed. So I taught in that school year. I taught preschool special ed. It was, it was a part-time experience, but I enjoyed it. And unfortunately, that was a one-year contract, so it didn't pan out. The principal tried to find me something, but it was a very, very, very small town district with basically two schools. So there was nothing else that I was qualified for. So again, I was forced to job hunt, which wasn't fun. So I was job hunting the following summer, which was 2005, 2006. I ended up getting hired in July as a second grade teacher for an inner city school district. So before I had taught in a more rural town, and now I was teaching in an inner city school district. And as a result that year, I started off and it was a very challenging year. I had very challenging students. Some of them came from an even bigger city and they would come to the school because it was a little bit better. And so I had challenging parents, challenging students. I found out that subs didn't really want to sub in my classroom when I was out. And I also found out that it was one of the most challenging classes of the school and the school went from preschool to fifth grade. So you can imagine my first year teaching second grade, essentially it felt like a first year teacher, even though I taught preschool special ed, but preschool special ed is so different. If you're a teacher, you can totally understand. I did the best I could, and unfortunately, my principal scrutinized me. And so over the course of 11 years, I want to backtrack, over the course of 11 years, On three separate incidences, I was scrutinized by principals and supervisors. So it's not a fun feeling. And like I said, wanted to teach since fourth grade. And so what happened that year is I, one point I brought my students late to lunch. And 
My classroom was on the second floor. The cafeteria was on the first floor. And I remember specifically my principal, when I got down there, she yelled at me right in front of all my students, said something along the lines of, why are you late to lunch? And, you know, it was obviously because my class was unruly. I couldn't bring them down when they were causing a ruckus and being noisy and not controlling their behavior. And so later that day or the next day, one of my second grade students, I remember, and I think I still even have it somewhere because I like to keep different memories and pictures of things my students give me. And I remember she drew a picture of me crying and it says, I'm sorry, Miss So-and-so, meaning the principal yelled at you. And so for a student to notice that, you know, that really was shameful to me. It was embarrassing. It shattered my confidence as a teacher. And not only that, but, you know, obviously in the moment I didn't cry. I wanted to, but I, um, on my way home, I'm sure I cried. I remember crying at home. So it was not a fun feeling. And observations didn't go well that year. If you're not familiar with the teaching world, teachers get observed a lot. Some school districts more than others. And so my observations didn't go well. I was called to the principal's office and was belittled and told I wasn't good enough as a teacher. And then also this principal liked to give sticky notes. So if you got a sticky note in your mailbox, consider it a bad sign, not a good sign. And so I remember one day she gave me a sticky note in my mailbox and it says, you have 24 hours to fix that faded bulletin board paper or else. You know, that's not how a superior should talk to someone they supervise. And obviously there wasn't anything I could do because, I mean, yes, I could have stood up to myself, but more than that, it was just, I was, I was shattered because this is all I've wanted to do since fourth grade. So I would have anxiety going into work. I would call my mother on the phone crying on my way to work, on my way home. I experienced the Sunday night scaries, or I call it the Sunday night blues. I had it on Saturday, not even on just Sunday, like where I was dreading the week and thinking the what if, what if my principal calls me into the office? What is she going to say next? And I also experienced hitting snooze over and over and over. And I would wake up at the last possible minute rush to get ready for work. Can any of you relate? And be at work just in the nick of time, just minutes before my students would arrive. It was not great at all. It was just a very, very challenging experience. And there were other incidences that happened that year, but I won't get into more details. And I finished out that year. I actually ended that year early in March 31st. A little bit before, but my last official day was March 31st. They let me go a little bit earlier and I just was done. And I ended up later subbing for one reason or the other. I would job hunt over the course of 11 years, either because I was scrutinized and similar experiences happened, or I was in a support role when I wanted to be a classroom teacher, or I was in a part-time position and I needed full-time or I was in a substitute role. So there's a variety of reasons. So you could say, I always tell my mother or friends as a joke now, looking back, I always say, I should be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the person who's job hunted the most amount of times. Yeah, that's not something to be proud of. And so, like I said, over the course of those years, I job hunted. And then in 2014-15, 
school year, I got hired to work for a, another inner city school district. And this time I was a, it's a public school. I was a preschool Head Start teacher. So for those of you who don't know, preschool Head Start is a way for low-income families who have preschoolers, three, four, and maybe five-year-olds, or even two-and-a-half-year-olds, providing them affordable education for preschool. And if you're a mother or if you've put a child through school, you know that preschool in Connecticut and in the U.S. is not affordable. It is quite expensive. So this is just one way that the government provides affordable education for preschool to certain families who meet the income threshold. And so I taught preschool Head Start for that year in a public school, like I said, a low-income public school. And I had a wonderful co-teacher, and we're still in touch. And that year was another trying and challenging year. It was the third time that I was scrutinized. And at this point, I'm like, not again. And the same feelings came up. I would drive into work. It was about a 45-minute commute, give or take, with traffic. I would drive into work. I'd be calling my mother on the phone. I'd be just crying. I'd be like having that pit in my stomach. And I also got the Sunday night blues or scaries because I did not want to go into work. And it happened on Saturdays even. And so I also would wake up at the last possible minute, hitting snooze over and over and be there just before my students arrived. Maybe a little bit earlier because I loved my co-teacher in part had to do a little bit with my co-teacher because we got along and I wanted to have some time to chat with her and tell her what's going to happen during that day. And so during that experience, I was also called to the principal's office, told I wasn't good enough. You know, I was belittled and it really rocked my confidence level. And throughout those 11 years, I tried working with therapists But unfortunately for me, I'm not saying therapy is bad, but it didn't work for me. I tried several different therapists. You could imagine me after 11 years not knowing what to do because I just had enough. So then I decided that I was going to leave teaching to pursue a master's in social work. And just to backtrack, I want you to also know that I'm a very petite person. I'm about four, nine and three quarters. I'm quite petite. And I remember during those times, anytime I get anxious, I tend not to eat or not to eat enough. I'm a big foodie most of the time. And I always tease or joke that if I ever get pregnant, God willing, that I'm going to have all those pregnancy cravings times a thousand because I just crave food all the time when I'm in a good mood. But imagine being underweight, short, and not eating enough. I mean, nobody should deprive themselves of eating, but that's what I was doing because I was so anxious and I was so like sick to my stomach about going into work and what's the principal or the supervisor going to say to me next. And so another thing that I did that I want to explain as well is during those years, I would sleep my days away to shut out the world because I thought that when I slept that that was my way of shutting out the world and I didn't have to think of what I was going through and the anxiety that work and teaching was causing me. I would try to do what I could. I'd bring a lot of work home and unfortunately I had bags of work, like more than just one or two bags. And I wouldn't do anything because I was just so exhausted and depleted and drained and essentially burned out, anxious, 
overwhelmed, you name it, all those negative emotions around work, I had it. And so going back to the Head Start, so in 2014, around 2014, 2015, that school year, I decided I've had enough. I am going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to try something different. So in college, at that point, I had my undergraduate degree, which was in child study, and then a master's degree in reading and to be able to teach struggling readers and writers. And I also had two certifications, my early childhood certification and then the remedial reading and language arts certification for first through 12th grade. And so that school year, when I was in that Head Start position as a preschool Head Start teacher, I was like, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I am going to leave teaching because back in college, I think I started to say that, but got a little sidetracked. So back in college, I had worked at a local hospital and I was a nurse's aide. So I stocked rooms. I fed patients. I did laundry, just odds and ends of jobs that nobody could get to. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And the hospital environment, even to this day, really like lights me up and Not everyone can say that. So I was like, maybe I'll go into social work, get a master's in social work at the liberal arts college where I did my undergrad. And I looked at several different options, but that's the one I ended up choosing. So I ended up leaving teaching in June 2015. I thought that that chapter was closed. I gave a lot of my supplies to the teacher that took over. I kept some of my supplies just in case. And because I'm also someone who likes to be realistic. And then I also gave some of my teaching supplies to friends and family who are teachers. It was bittersweet. It was tough leaving because, you know, I felt like I made an impact with families and students. And it was hard because I've wanted to teach since fourth grade. I had gotten accepted into my undergraduate liberal arts college that I went to in Connecticut, and I got accepted into their master's in social work program. So this was after having a bachelor's in child study, teacher certification in early childhood, and a master's in reading and certification in remedial reading and language arts that I was going to for a second master's. Unfortunately, I started the program in September, and within three weeks, I ended up quitting. It wasn't the right fit for me. It had nothing to do with the internship. In fact, the internship was amazing. And that was part of the program. And I was going to be working with the elderly to help them get back into their homes and so that they can live the last part of their life in their homes and not in nursing homes or other facilities. It was quite difficult to leave and not know what to do. And so I was left feeling lost, confused, even more anxious, frustrated with myself because I was like, now what am I going to do? I am going to leave you with that on a cliffhanger note to say that there is a way out. I found a way out and I'm going to share it with you on the next episode of the Love Life Now podcast. So I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode, especially on my 40th birthday. I can't thank you enough. And it is such an honor to be able to share my experience with you because I know so many women can relate to this experience of being scrutinized, being anxious, hitting snooze over and over, 
maybe not eating or eating too much, maybe sleeping less, or in my case, sleeping so much to shut out the world because you didn't enjoy your day job. And I'm here to tell you there is a way out and stay tuned for the next episode to find out what the way out is. And also I want to remind you to make sure that you go onto my business page, which is on Instagram and Facebook as Love Life Now Coaching and check out the opportunities to win some great prizes just for being a listener. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. And again, thank you so much for sharing my 40th birthday with me. And this has been a labor of love. I've wanted to do this for about a year. And when my podcast producer and strategist said to me, her name is Kim. And when she said to me, when would you like to launch this episode? And the first thought was my 40th birthday, July 6th. So here we are. Thanks again for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Love Life Now podcast. I hope you gain insight on steps you can take to find balance and joy in the work you do and the life you live. Let this podcast be a source of education, inspiration, and motivation for you as you take action on creating balance and joy in the work you do and the life you live. If you found this episode to be of value to you, please share this with any women you know who are going through similar career or job struggles and might benefit from listening to this podcast. And if you'd like additional support, please reach out to me at mina at lovelifenowcoaching.com. Sending each and every one of you my love. Know that you too can find balance and joy in the work you do and the life you live. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on any future episodes.